Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on here, dude. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I really, really enjoy your podcast. I think it's a, it's an extremely unique idea and, uh, I'm really, really into your, uh, your intro from, uh, I noticed you changed it. Um, that one is, it, it's, it is really good, but your last one, I was like, oh, this guy's onto something like, yeah. Uh, Did, so th- that, that was really thrown together. <laughs> Was it really? Yeah. Uh, I did it. And like, I was posting my first episode and I was just trying to think like, Oh, what could I do to kind of get the idea across? And then like, I had to do it in like 30 minutes, like do it like really quick. Um, so you did that all on the computer. Yeah. I, I played the guitar part, uh, and put the bass, I played like a MIDI bass and then, uh, did the drums. I just dropped, like I played MIDI drums and then mixed all of it down and uh, just dropped like the little sound clips in. That's awesome, man. I, I'm not musically inclined at all. I, I've never learned how to play an instrument in my life. And um, so that's, it's super impressive to me when people can like take what's in their head and especially, man, I, I don't know something about the, something about the, the, the kick in that intro. It was, it, it, that's what kept me coming back for more episodes. It's nice. Yeah. Um, just that stinger right before the intro, right? Where it's like, bum, bum, bum. And then it's well, like, yeah. Well, and also your intro with your, your vocals where you're like, wake the fuck up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that was, <laughs> that was really good. Um, I had to try all those taglines. I tried, I had a bunch of them, uh, that I had to try out on my wife. Cause I was wanting it to be like, you know, like hardcore band call outs, like mosh call outs. Yeah. Where they'll be like, they'll be like, move this shit. Yeah, and I had to like go through a bunch of them where it's like, what makes sense? And my wife was like, that one, that's the one you should. Yeah, use. wake wake the fuck up definitely does make the most sense. We're drinking coffee. I mean, why? <laughs> What's it gonna do? It's not gonna put you to sleep, is it? No. Uh, unless you have severe ADHD. I mean, I haven't been diagnosed, but <laughs> <laughs> my wife my wife swears she's like, you have some form of ADHD because. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot do one set task and without getting distracted doing something else, but I, I, I blame technology. That's it. It's that's <laughs> it. I'm not quite Gen Z, but, uh, it's definitely made my life harder getting involved in technology. So 100% man. It's like how, how, okay. So how old are you? I'm 29 as of December. Okay. So I'll be 27 in March. So I feel like there's a generation in between millennial and Gen Z that needs to be, put there for guys like us yeah especially like my little brother he's he's your age he grew up watching like video game playthroughs on youtube and i'd be like bro why the hell are you watching these like just go play the video game but little did i know you know that that was a market being created and now like people have made a living off of streaming video games that's crazy i've never honestly i i can't get into it myself i don't understand watching a video game like I would much rather experience the video game for myself mm-hmm. like it's just ne- like I have a I have a friend at work who's who's quite a bit younger than me he's only 22 and he keeps up with all these youtubers all these streamers yeah and he'll talk to me about it and I'm like that's awesome man but like I can't relate I just don't understand it's 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 just not something that ever caught my attention no no and then like the whole esports craze, like that's a million dollar industry now. That is kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah, that did kind of kick off with um uh Halo three. 
I I was actually in eighth grade with a guy who a kid not he was a kid he was like 13 years old Mm -hmm. and his mom would pick him up from school to play MLG lobbies and he would actually compete and make a lot of money now he like grows weed somewhere and owns a bunch of Bitcoin so also lucrative (laughs) he had something figured out extremely early on that I just didn't catch on to he was an early early adapter I was like I don't know if I quite understand that. I'm going to just play drums in jazz class and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's it's one of those things where I'm, I've, I've met a few people who are in their 30s now that are like, man, I was told to buy Bitcoin when it was like 25 cents. And I was like, oh, that's dumb. And now it's $64,000 of Bitcoin. I know. So, the, the trick is trying to get rid of it. How how did how it? I don't know. How do you cash in on that? I I don't know because if you use a swap, you have like a daily trade limit. Mm-hmm. I just so I don't know. I I don't fully understand crypto. I've put some money into it, but I have not taken the time to like. This is a blockchain. This is a non fungible token. Like, <laughs> it. <laughs> I was having this this conversation today. I did an interview with. Uh, it's a band based in Welland, Ontario. And uh, I was talking with their guitarist and we were saying that the future of merch could be NFTs and Bitcoin or crypto uh, payments for bands, especially if you have to cross the border to go play like the States or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would kind of make sell, the most sense. If you could just sell, you know, non-fungible products while also uh, like exchanging for some form of crypto, then, you know, you wouldn't have to pay taxes. You wouldn't have to like when you cross into the US from Canada as a Canadian band, you have to pay taxes on any merch that you bring over. Really? Even if you don't even if you don't sell it, you have to prepay and then prove that you are bringing merch back and you get reimbursed. Yeah, That's a lot. It's, it's terrible. So, if you could just switch switch for like crypto, a lot of bands have to get it printed in the US and then they'll pick it up at their first show. That would make that that makes the most another, sense. Another way around it, but I mean, let's just get rid of all the merch and just do NFT swaps. <laughs> Are you saying do NFT as like as like that's the merch? That's the merch, and you only okay. have like us. You only have a certain amount, but you're exchanging it for like thousands of dollars instead of like twelve to fifteen dollars of t-shirts. Yeah, like you know, you're getting like a five five dollar profit each time. Yeah, if you just did an NFT, you get a hundred percent of the profit, and it's like a thousand fold increase of profit. I don't know. Yeah. I I make, um, I make Atlas stones, uh, on the side to like bring in like gym equipment money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, th- I told my buddy, I was going to start telling people you can pay me cash, PayPal or, uh, or, or Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I haven't done it yet. I haven't, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in my tagline on Facebook soon. You should. Yeah. Just be like, I will accept Ethereum. I will accept crypto. <laughs> if you want, <laughs> if you want to pay me in meme coin, that's cool too. Meme coin, Doge coin. Uh, what's the other one that that's big right now? Uh, Shiba. Oh, I don't even know about that one. Oh, I don't really? Keep, I don't keep up with the cryptos or the you know. I know Joe Rogan is he's all about the crypto apparently too. I think he just became part of the crypto because I remember Jamie talking shit to him one day was like, 
I I have I have some Ethereum. And he's like, what the fuck is Ethereum? <laughs> and he was like, what is this Dogie Dogie coin? And yes. Jamie great. Jamie was like, no, that's not how you say it. Dogecoin. Like, it was in BBC. I, I listened to the BBC for most of my news, and they were talking about how Doge was one of the most mispronounced words of 2021 because they thought it was like Dodge or or Doggy. It's like no, when, it's Doge. It's, so, do you remember when the first Doge meme came out, and they were? It was like such wow. It was that. Oh, it 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 was very quick, but I think I do remember seeing that. I thought it was Doge. Because that made the most sense to me. Like if you said it in a stupid way. Yeah. But then everyone was like, no, it's Doge. I was like, yeah, you guys sound fucking dumb. And it turns out they were right the whole time. It's it's an Italian word. It's a, Are from you serious? What I, from what I understand, Doge comes from, it was the rulers of like Milan and a lot of Northern Italian um, like cities. Like they were called the Doge of the city. I huh. think that's where that term comes from. I don't know if that's 100% true, but that's in terms of phonetics and, and uh, what, what are they? I can't remember, like, the history of the word or whatever. I think that's where that comes from, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm not a crypto expert. I'll have, I'll have to look it up after this. <laughs> are, are, we, are we rolling? Are we recording already? Oh, dude, we've been recording this whole time. Nice. Everything <laughs> is on the record. <laughs> everything, everything is on the record. That's great. Um. So, okay, so you obviously very much love coffee and you love heavy music. Uh, so what was the cup of coffee that got you thinking, like, I need to dive into what specialty coffee is? Okay, it's kind of a journey. It wasn't, like, immediate. The first cup that changed, like, how I saw coffee was it was a mocha from a company called Octane that was based in Atlanta, and I was living in Birmingham in college and had a mocha from this coffee shop called Octane. And then I kind of started, oh, this is way better than like your normal chain coffee. It costs a little bit more, but it's definitely a whole hell of a lot better. So from there, uh, I moved back after college to my hometown and was working for a coffee shop that my church had started. Um, and I was working there part time. And I didn't really like coffee. I didn't drink espresso really or anything. I didn't drink black coffee. Um, but we got this one coffee in that was a single origin from Burundi, from Counterculture was the name of the roastery. And I think that's when I tried that on a pour over, that completely changed like how I tasted coffee. It tasted like strawberries and chocolate and just super, super fruity, like flora. Like I can still remember that even on espresso, just crazy sweet citrus, like berry flavors, insane. And so I remember that that was probably the most life-changing cup of coffee that I had. Um, and since then, you know, I, I kind of drifted out of coffee. I just drank it because I needed coffee. But since the pandemic, especially, I've very much delved headlong back into um like trying to taste and, and, you know, research and learn a lot more. But that Burundi from counterculture, I think it was 2014 is when I had it. And that was it. That was the most amazing cup of coffee. My friend I was talking to, uh, it was Justin from, he was working at Bolt Coffee. I had him on the podcast and he 
he remembered it so well. He told me the farm that it was from and the year that it like won the Brewers Cup championship in the world. Like that's how good of a coffee it was that year. That's insane. Do they still make that coffee? I haven't seen it since then. It's kind of hard to come by. Burundi coffees, they are very like seasonal. Oh. And they're pretty difficult to get your hands on. I just found one for the first time in like two years from a roastery here in Montreal. That's man. I I'm like, so I am pretty stuck in my ways as far as like dark roast coffee goes. Mm -hmm. Like I like dark sludgy scraped off the Mississippi river type of coffee. That river sludge. Yeah. It's, I just, I, uh, I forget when I started drinking coffee black. Um, I think it was like, I had like a hipster roommate back when I, uh, (laughs) When I first started the job I'm at now, and he was like, I just can't do cream and sugar. I can't do it at all. You don't taste the coffee. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to seem like a fucking loser in front of this guy. (laughs) So (laughs) I started, but he actually showed me, like, introduced me, like, uh, I don't know if you pronounce it, Gavalia or Javalia, whatever it is. But uh, I, uh, he showed me that coffee company, and I found the French roast and I was like, wow, this like you, it, there's actually a difference between this and like Folgers. Mm-hmm. And ever since then I've been stuck in dark roast, but like I, ever since listening to your podcast, I'm like, man, I need to find an Ethiopian coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, be careful. I'm, I'm going to warn you. And I try to warn everybody. This happened to my friend Max as well. Um, he's such a good friend of mine that I've had since I moved to Montreal and he, I accidentally inadvertently uh, like ruined his life for coffee. So really? be very careful listening to my advice because <laughs> it will ruin your life, but in a good way. It, um, it, it'll be like yeah, ch- he, chase, chasing the high. It, that's a hundred percent is chasing the high. It's like, oh, I got to find something better and new. It's uh, he started out, he got a washed Ethiopian. I bought him like a pour over kit for Christmas one year. I was like, you know, you want to get into coffee this is the things that you need um, and just explore, like start here. And so he got a washed Ethiopian and he was like, this is insane. I've never had anything like this. And then from there now he's like just searching for the most wild, insane coffees. Now it's, I love it so much, but he's, he's been ruined. Have you seen the coffee that they make from lemur poop? Yeah. Kopi Luwak. Have you had that? No, I don't even know where to find it. But you would try it if you could get your hands on it. Um, I would, and not for the reasons like – so coffee, I, I don't know if he eats, and I need to do more research on this. I'm not an expert on Kopi Luwak lemur shit coffee. But <laughs> uh, when processing coffee, it starts out as like a little cherry. Yeah. And, and the seeds inside. And so processing takes that cherry from a little fruit to the seeds inside and that's what you roast is the seed inside of a coffee inside of the coffee bean plant um i don't know if they eat the berry and then they when they shit out it's like processed or whatever it's like fermented so i'd be interested just to try like if that's how the coffee is processed that would be awesome because it's probably going to taste wild if I'm not mistaken, I think that is how it's done is they eat, they eat that cherry and mm-hmm. then it breaks down the fruit. They their body can't digest the seed. Exactly. And it comes out in that tube of lemur shit. That's, I mean, 
I don't mind paying thirty dollars for a cup <laughs> if some dude's having to pick, you know, unprocessed beans out of lemur shit. Like, oh, for sure, not the, that's not a job I want. That's an honest living right there. Yeah, um, and I already, I already feel like so much gratitude for people who grow and process coffee like in a lot of the major regions that aren't digging through lemur shit. They're just, you know, picking the berries and letting them sit out or washing them and stuff to process them. But that guy, I mean, he deserves the money's worth. I think, I, I think that that, that money's going to a good place. Somebody just picking <laughs> seeds. Um, hopefully they I, get, I, hopefully they get paid well too. And that's the thing is like, we really, honestly, if there's no transparency from where that coffee is coming from, then we don't know. And that's a big part of specialty coffee that is very important to me is like know where your coffee comes from. Yes. Because there's a lot of chains and a lot of coffees that are passed around um, that we don't really have a traceability. And so we don't know if those people are being paid fairly, which is why I think it's important to support a lot of local roasters, a lot of local shops, because they do try to direct trade as much as possible or work with importers that are making sure that farmers and producers are getting well paid. Man, see, that's where I'm jealous. I feel like, cause I live in, I live in Tennessee and um, I don't live in like Nashville or anything. I live in, I live in Clarksville. I'm like an hour North. of. I know exactly. I know where Clarksville is. Do you really? Like, my dad, when he was uh, like 12 or 13, his family moved to Clarksville for like two years. I have that's like family and Clark, like very distant family in Clarksville. That's crazy, man. Like Fall State Falls, isn't that like right up there? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like right by like Hopkinsville and Guthrie and uh, Nashville south of me. Mm -hmm. And, and Chattanooga then, is like a bit south, right? Is that what I'm thinking of? Maybe I'm thinking say, of. I want to say it's east. Because I, I, I have a competition just past Chattanooga next month. I think Clarksville is where he said he lived because it's outside of Knoxville. Oh, we're like three hours from Knoxville. I felt like this is what it was. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I think Clarksville is where it was. Anyway. That's where we, we have Fort Campbell here. So, I mean, Fort Campbell, Austin P. like mm -hmm. there's a lot of like stuff that brings. Nope. Sorry. I mixed it up. I went to Clarksville because I had to go for work on base. That's what it was. Okay. So what, so what do you do? I used to. Uh, do uh, audiovisual work a lot. I okay. was doing LED walls, um, like that were on big trailers for large events. And do you? I don't know if you were living there when Hunter Hayes played on bass. Probably 2019, 2018. Oh, for sure. I've lived here almost my whole life, man. Okay, yeah. So Hunter Hayes played on bass in like 2018, and I brought in cameras and a screen and stuff, and I directed and called the show like all the video stuff for the show. That's awesome, um, man. So I did a lot of that for like three years after moving to Montreal. And now I work for a tech startup doing um, like virtual events. And basically we're launching a platform to do like virtual hybrid and collaborative events for multimedia purposes. Damn, that's a mouthful. It's that's that's very much outside of my <laughs> realm. Uh, I basically am the dumb end user that they hired to tell them like what needs to what it needs to look like so yeah. that i'm able to use it appropriately and then i work with a lot of like engineers and tech people that code and use different languages on a computer that i don't understand man i've, I've been there so i work at i work at train 
uh, like the air conditioning mm-hmm. company, and yeah. I'm a team leader there, which is a lot of like paperwork and like making sure people do their jobs. Like I'm not necessarily like management production leader, but I'm like the middleman and. On the line that I'm on, I worked with a bunch of design engineers and manufacturing engineers, mm-hmm. and they're all working in AutoCAD and and all sorts <laughs> of like. I was there for like the technical purpose of like, do you think this will work? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> like, yeah, that's... it's it's a very like man. Like I should have gone for engineering in college. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly like they'll present like a product, and they'll show the fixes, and I'm like. I'm so sorry guys, but like, I'm not going to be able to use this <laughs> like, Yeah, <laughs> like in a real fun, like, I'm going to need to know like that this is working and this is working. Like I need some kind of feedback and they're like, no, it's here in the logs. I'm like, I don't have time in the middle of a show to open the logs to make sure that things like I need to see a feedback on screen. And then they're like, all right, well let's go work on it. <laughs> like, so they're telling, like they, they'll tell you to like pull up, just pull up the code. Mm-hmm. Oh man. No, that would, that would kill me. I have, I have no problem being like, I can't, I'm so sorry, but like, I can't read this. I am that dumb. Like, well, that's also like, honestly, that's to, to be smart enough to know that you cannot figure it out is part of like, it's, it's what puts you sort of like at the most valuable position where you're like, look, I'm the one that's going to most commonly use this. If you want to distribute this, then this isn't going to work. And that's what I keep trying to drive home is like, if I can, if I can use this product, then pretty much anybody in this field can use it. Right. But if I can't, then if I can't use it, then there's no way that anybody will be able to. Right. So that's basically the approach that I take is like, I'm just, I'm here to help as much as I can. (laughs) That's awesome though. I mean, that sounds, that sounds like a fucking awesome job, you know? To be able to still work in the audiovisual realm, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's basically the pandemic is what shifted everything, and I had to really search for a job that still kind of fit in that world, um, or at least used similar lingo. Um, so I'm kind of excited, but it's also very um, different because I'm not used to sitting at a desk. I'm used to, you know, setting things up and working with my hands and being in a different place all the time. And so that's kind of the one adjustment has been, I think everybody's gone through this in one way or another during the pandemic, but you know, just adjusting to what life is like now. Yeah, man, it's insane. I like, I, I get the whole sitting behind the desk thing. I had to do that for like a year myself and my hip, my hips, I didn't have hip problems until mm-hmm. I started sitting all the time. Now my hips are yep. really tight. Sucks. And, I always roll my hips out now, even though I'm, I'm moving all the time. But one thing the pandemic did for me is it really made me appreciate being home. Honestly, mm-hmm. like now I'd be hard pressed to go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. I found peace in ways that I didn't know existed just being like in my house. Yeah. Like I got a whole box of records from one of my wife's relatives and they're all, it's all old stuff. Like, really old and uh they gave us like an antique record table from like the 70s that's nice and uh so i spent like a lot of like at the beginning in 2020 uh when everything was shutting down i was like fuck it like i guess i'll just pick out a stack of records and see if i like chicago 16 that's cool that's super cool 
it was it was it was a good time and now like that's all i want to do is like now i want to podcast work out and and read and listen to music yeah that's if i could make my podcast my full-time job which it already is like a part-time job i'm as i'm sure you know as well okay yeah um it's uh i would love for this like podcasting would be awesome because it combines everything that i love coffee and music especially heavy music um heavy music has been such a big part of my life for like over 20 years i guess now um that you know i would just love to live in that world full time I'm, 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 I'm right there with you man to meetings i hate meetings <laughs> it's it's more of like a interacting with people type thing like mm-hmm. i have to go to work and answer dumb questions and yeah and deal with people who are in, who think they know my job better than me. And yep. it's just it, doing sitting in front of a microphone and then having the rest of your day ahead of you. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you realize like, I'm, I'm always going to make more money, but my time I can never get back. Right. So it, yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel you 100%. I would love for this to be my job eventually. Yep. Eventually. It, it's definitely a good side hustle for the moment, but you know, hopefully we can all turn this into something bigger. <laughs> 100% man. Um, so what was the first, uh, heavy music that you got into? I'm sure you've gone over this in one of your episodes that no, I, don't, good. I just haven't heard. No, no, no. It's, I haven't talked about it a lot. I, I just, I come from a very, like being from the Southeast United States. Um, you know, you grew up in church. So I came from a very, very Christian background. I wasn't really listening to secular radio music when I was a kid. Uh, but I found, um, I found some cassettes that my like dad had from one of my uncles or something. And he had like, there was a band called audio adrenaline, which isn't like a super heavy band, but it was kind of like, they would yell scream a little bit. Um, it was them. And later on I heard, I think skillet just because I was at church and this is when skillet like was not, you know, playing huge stadium arena. This is when skillet was still like four people from Nashville and, you know, they screamed and stuff like that. And I thought that that was really cool. Uh, but the first like real, like metal or metal core was under oath. Uh, it was their first like big single called "The Sun Sleeps," or "When the Sun Sleeps." It was off their first full length, and I heard that. And "Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste" by Norma Jean, and it was on a Christian channel that I saw these videos. So my parents were like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "No, look, it's the Inspiration Network. This is okay." And so they were like, "This is weird, but I guess it's Christian. Like they wouldn't play it if it wasn't." So from there, I was able to sneak in, you know, other things where it's like they're Christian, but you know. Like Devil Talking. Wears Prada and stuff. Yeah, which we all find out like under oath and those guys aren't really Christian anymore and that's fine. I mean, everybody evolves and grows, but right. that's that's like how I was able in my very, you know, sheltered Christian home to find some outlet of aggression uh, when I was a kid. So that that's my kind of where I was introduced. And then luckily in high school, I had friends, even in middle school, that you know, would pass along music and stuff like that, make mixtapes. That's awesome, man. I, I've, I've heard a few stories like that. Like um, I went to Las Vegas 
I don't know, like three years ago, probably. And I wanted to go and, 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 uh, <laughs> you may not even like this guy, but it, it, I wanted to go see Hobo Johnson. He oh, was, yeah. you like Hobo Johnson? Uh, like is not the word I would use. Uh, I am familiar <laughs> with Hobo Johnson. Right, right. Uh, so I was, I really liked Hobo Johnson at the time mm-hmm. and, uh, he was playing at the hotel I was staying at. I was staying at the hard rock. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. So I told my wife, I was like, yeah, let's go see Hobo Johnson. And she was like, okay, cool. And then we found out that counting crows was playing there and, uh, she wanted to go see that instead. Uh, and I don't really get down with counting crows and I hate them even more after seeing this boring ass show. <laughs> and to add injury to insult, we got back from the strip. We walk into the lobby of the hotel and Hobo Johnson's there just coming in. And I walked up to him. I was like, yo, you're Hobo Johnson. And he was like still new to the fame. And he was like, yeah. And <laughs> I, I took a picture with him and everything. And he was like, you guys come to the show. And my wife lied through her teeth was like, absolutely. Oh, bro, after you just saw Counting Crows, you're alive? No, that same night. It was the same night. That's That's a double sin. That's why we couldn't go, because she was like, I I love that song, Mr. Jones. And then Mm -hmm. we didn't even hear it. They sucked the whole time. But my whole point of the story is before them, this music group called Boom Forest went on. And they were talking about growing up in a Christian household and like being very controlled and mm-hmm. they found music through sneaking CDs in to like their room when their parents weren't home. I knew and, people that would put CDs like from non, you know, like secular bands into like the cases of like a Christian band. Like they would like do like a little like swap. Yeah. That was a good way to get it in too. It's well, that's what you do with porn too when you're a teenager. So it's, it's a, it's a very practice <laughs> method. Yes. <laughs> um, like parents don't seem to to know that one. Well, I, I guess we're becoming the parents now. So right, exactly. Yeah. We it, know what it, to look for. My 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 wife said that um and my mother in law listens to this podcast, so she might uh she might have a few words for my wife after this, but she told my wife there's nothing that you can do that I haven't done, so you can't get away with anything. But as generations grow, new ways to do everything get created. So True. you got to kind of stay on your toes and admit to yourself, like I can't control everything. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you just kind of do your best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and my, my oldest is five. So I've got a little bit of time to figure it out. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself when I, when I'm, when I'm 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you tried, right? That's it, like the, exactly. the big thing. You just do what you can, and then you just the rest is up to God. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man. Um, so, okay. Uh, so we went over your coffee when we went over your music. Uh, well, at least what introduced you to hardcore music. Yeah, the, the my tastes obviously are not the same as they were when I was like a 13-year-old kid, but... So, uh, so what's, what what's your go-to now? Like you're driving down the street or you're walking, you got your headphones in. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts now, um, which everybody should listen to podcasts because I mean, it's great. Podcasts are awesome. Um, yeah. but, uh, for music, definitely I've been listening. I found this band from Denmark recently. My bassist shared it with us. 
uh, called Life Sick. They just released a new full length. Oh my god, it's like if if like if Danish death metal kids started writing hardcore. It's like the most violent shit I've ever heard. It's amazing. Uh, I've been listening to that a good bit. What's it called? Um, Life sick. All on. one word. I'm gonna write this. I've never done this before, but I gotta write this down because yeah, good. my favorite my favorite black metal band is is a Danish black metal band. What are they called? Um, Beherit. Oh, I don't even know those. They have a they have a song called. Um, Solomon's Gate, and it is mm -hmm. seriously the most brutal shit I've ever heard in my life. And it's from the second wave black metal with like mayhem and everything. Oh, wow. Oh, so that's like real ass black metal. Oh, dude. Oof. Yeah. It's, hold on. I feel like I, my, my pencil ran out of lead, I guess. Black so metal you, does scare me sometimes, though. You got to be real careful. I went, okay. So when I, I, I fucking love black metal. Like the way that, you probably feel like with heavy music, I don't know if it like calms you down or it like makes way, you yeah. kind of feel at peace. That's the way I started listening to black metal when I was, uh, I would grill a lot. And I, I, that's when I discovered like dark throne and shit. Yeah. Dark so, throne sick. Oh, they're fucking amazing. Fenris is one of the greatest black metal artists of all time. But, uh, I would put on like uh, Transylvanian hunger and I would grill a steak and I, in the in the summer heat, it somehow was was fitting, and mm -hmm. I was like, I love this shit, and uh, <laughs> so I sort of dove deeper into that. And I don't necessarily listen to too much newer black metal, except for like Mismore. Um, oh man, he's so good. Have you listened to his new uh, release with Andrew Black or uh, the uh, which? It's called Wit's End is his really? newest yeah it's his newest release it's there's two songs it's a oh yeah 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 it's the one with the little window right it's like a, a black and white where it's like no oh, this look. one hold on i can i can pull up the cover art for you here i got i just bought it on my Bandcamp. oh oh wow oh wow this is very new okay okay you see it yeah yeah this this right here yeah i just that's amazing yeah i didn't even know that he had released something his his Tape sold out like quick as fuck, which is how I found him. Actually, I hold up. I actually got into tapes uh, as well as records because tapes nice. are cheaper. Yeah, and this is his. You uh, picked it. Oh man. Yes. Yeah, I got I it. I love off. that. This is this is what this is my introduction. And I'm like fuck. This guy is so good, and the fact that he's like like uh, despite all the racism and the murder, uh, Burzum is like my, my favorite. My like one of my favorite black metal bands. You can't talk about Varg. <sighs> Fuck Varg. I like Burzum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then when I found out that ALN did all of this shit by himself, mm -hmm. I was like, "Fuck yes!" And I found it on on Seasons of Mist um, because I just couldn't find anywhere that sold black metal. Like yeah. it's been my dream to go to a record store and go through and find something other than Venom. I don't really like Venom. I'm not a big Venom fan either. Yeah, it's 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 very soft. Yes, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I love Mismore. Uh, ALN is like from like just the way he speaks. He's an artist. Like it's oh, insane. Yeah. I really appreciated his uh, in in because your episode is the only uh, interview I've listened to with him. Um, 
I appreciate his uh, philosophy on making heavy music. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he even he was like he said, you know, I don't think we should do this just to sound cool. There needs to be emotion behind it. Right. And I must, I'm a I'm a very emotional person. And uh, so when he said that, I was like, fuck, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. like, I'm still gonna listen to the bands that do it just to like be shithead kids. Oh, that's fun. So like there, I think there's a difference, like, especially when it comes to artistry, because everything is art, right? Um, like, uh, but like, you know, violent beatdown bands, there's a time and place for that. Like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to fight your friends. Um, but then like, (laughs) but then like listening to something deep, like Mismore, I I don't know if you've heard the new release from mole. They're like a black gays band from Denmark as well. Fuck, I've heard of that band. I don't know if I I can't like think of any songs off the top of my head. They they just released probably one of the best full lengths of 2021. Um and they released it in November, but just like it's not true but it's black gaze. It's like if Def Heaven kept making what they were making before this last uh EP that they put out. Um that band is incredible. Uh, so so you say black gaze like like almost like shoegaze? It's shoegaze with black metal vocals and black metal elements. Fuck. How do you spell that band name? Mol is M. It's O with like a slash through it. Okay. And L. I I have seen that. I have listened to them. I Their other stuff isn't as it they had their last full length is called uh Yod. All their all their albums are in uh Danish, but um their last album, Yod, is very, very like thought provoking um inwardly yeah like basically like i actually i have an interview with their vocalist kim song Sterskov, and um he was talking to me about how his lyrics on yod were very like introspective like understand he had, was like going through a faith crisis where he was losing his faith faith crisis is an awesome name for a band if anyone wants that one <laughs> um but uh, he was going through like a crisis and losing his faith and trying to like existentially like reconcile himself to being human and being like dealing with mortality and things like that and understanding, you know, like a purpose behind what he was doing. But then on, on Diorama, which is their new full length, it's more about, okay, where do we go with that thought? How do we inspire ourselves and kind of move on and, and, seize the moment with the people around us that are here like supporting us like friends and family and you know people who are just living life with us right. and so that whole like looking through like a, a diorama of and he was inspired have you seen that movie um um hereditary i have not it's a horror film but it's by um it's by this like prolific director who uses a lot of interesting ideas in his films and basically it's the whole i'm not going to ruin the plot but there's a big part of it where the, one of the characters makes dioramas of things that happen as a uh as a coping mechanism for traumas and so basically he's talking about like trauma and things that he's been through and looking at it as a diorama with the people around him it's very interesting but um very emotional music is I'm, uh i'm gonna have to check that out it's for, insane for sure <clears throat> that's awesome that you've been able to get a hold of so many um heavy metal vocalists and, and, and artists in general, uh, to, to fuel your, your, uh, your guest list, uh, some of the people and well, and plus you have two arenas anyway, as far as like, yeah, yeah you've talked to a few roasters too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, some of my favorite talks are with people who roast coffee. Like I've had a couple of guys that don't really listen to heavy music that come from like the coffee industry. And it's been amazing because they just nerd out about coffee, which I love. That it's, it is very, that's how I am with like strongman. I, uh, I've had, I, I've only had two guests on that do strongman and, and, uh, one of them hosts events and the other one is kind of at my same level. He's actually a bit mm-hmm. stronger than me, but I've never told him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you heard but, it uh, here first. you said what you heard it here yeah, first. He's, he's a, he's a strong dude, man. Uh, I keep telling him he needs to move up in his weight in his, uh, his class level, but I don't know. Um, but anytime anybody like I've had guests come in here and they're like, so what are these big balls of, of rock you have? And I'm like, I am glad you asked because it's like any, if you really love something, you look for like any chance to talk about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, what was my next question for you, man? Uh, <laughs> I hate when that happens. I dude, I can't. It happens to me. I had Jordan Syatt on my last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know who that is. I'm I'm not super familiar, but I did listen to like the majority of that episode. Oh, you did? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So he runs like one of the biggest fitness podcasts mm-hmm. in, in the on the world, and uh, I I think during that I was like so nervous to speak to him. I was like, okay, don't forget to ask this question now. All right. Because he was a really easy guy to talk to, but I did I did not want any lulls in the conversation because I was like, I don't want to lose this guy's attention. Right. But he was a super like genuinely really nice guy. So it was, it was fairly easy. It's, it's very interesting because I, I kind of freak out when I do get more of a, I don't want to say like a more high profile guest, but like somebody who, you know, I totally, I totally get it. A pretty established band yeah or um and then i get in my head a bit so that's why i do try i do tend to over prep maybe sometimes or like i get really psyched out or psyched up uh but then i find that those people like people are people if that's one thing that i've learned from doing beans and breakdowns it's that like everyone's just a fucking person (laughs) yeah yeah and but you you sort of think of you look at them and you're like well, shit, they're doing stuff that like I'm not doing. Like, especially right. if their job is to do whatever it is that they're good at, mm-hmm. then like that's a whole nother level of something that you just haven't attained yet. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, like, well, they started somewhere, and, yeah, and they are also they were someone. They're someone's kid too. Yeah. So <laughs> they take shits. You know, <laughs> that's what you got to remember. Are you, are you sure? <laughs> I mean. Their shit might just cost more than mine. That I don't is, know. Yes. It, theirs might have coffee beans in it. You never know. Yeah. Kopi Luwak. <laughs> That's how um, you bring it back. So uh, when did you finally bite the bullet and decide like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast? Like a year before I started it. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. It was in the planning stage for that long? Yeah, because I'm kind of a perfectionist. I don't like putting things out unless I feel like it's like a very flushed out like representation of what I want. Uh, and that comes from just being a musician and being somebody who like is like an audio engineer. Uh, and I'm kind of a control freak as well. But then also my wife is an extreme perfectionist as well. And so she, if I think something's ready, I run it through her 
and guaranteed she's going to give me at least three notes about it before I think it's ready to go out. So <laughs> it's like, uh, that's kind of the planning. And I didn't just like, as somebody who's from like a DIY hardcore kind of background, uh, I've made a lot of good mistakes in the sense of like, if something wasn't necessarily ready or fleshed out, but we just wanted to push it out to get it out. I've seen how that can kind of like fizzle really quick. And I didn't really want to make that having so much time on my hands was kind of a blessing because it's like, okay, let's plan this out. Like let's get branding, you know, looking good. And let's make sure that this all kind of has like a meaning or a purpose behind it before we just kind of, you know, throw some shit against the wall and see what sticks. Um, I just wanted to have like a clear vision for like, what are we trying to do with this podcast? I don't just want it to be another like interview podcast where I talk with somebody and just to hear my voice, you know what I mean? Like I want this to make kind of like positive changes for even if it's just like a few people, but those people learn something about hardcore or they get interested because they see the coffee and then they start listening to like metal or something like that. I really wanted this to kind of help the community get past some of like the elitism and pretentiousness, if that makes sense to realize, yeah, I like, understand. we all have so much in common, but we're all hung up on like, I just like hardcore or I just like Norwegian black metal. Like at the end of the day, those differences don't really matter because we all kind of like the same things. So just because you prefer one over the other, doesn't mean that you have nothing in common with this fan base or this friend group. Like, as long as people are interested in the things that we're interested in, that's something like to celebrate that people are finding something like this interesting because it means it creates longevity and it creates like more, like, essentially I hate bringing this to like capital or money, but support also means profit and allows bands and, and coffees and things that we love to keep progressing. So, yeah, I see. And I love that because the one thing that is very easy to get stuck in with a, with like a niche topic is like that pretentiousness of like, well, I know more about this thing that no one else knows about more than like more than you do. Right. And, uh, you, you run into, the, into that in a lot of places. And honestly, one of the best things is to show somebody some music or, or anything that you <laughs> really love and for them to like it, like, Right. That is the best feeling because then you have someone else to like nerd out with. Exactly. And like, I love it because my brother and I got into heavy music around the same time. So I love when he sends me a band that's maybe not necessarily my favorite band, but it's new. And he's just like, check this out. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Like, where did you find this? And same goes for him. Like having somebody that kind of is interested in something similar, but different, that's able to kind of, you know, get you outside of your, your walls of like what you're normally listening to or interested in, I think is really important, especially being so much online as we are now, we create these echo chambers for ourselves. Yeah, man. By like disliking and liking and disliking this and like, especially polarization politically, we're also polarizing ourselves. I feel like just surrounding ourselves with what we like to hear and not so much like differing opinions or differing sounds like different anything than what just keeps us comfortable um so i do feel like it's very important to have people in your life that you don't necessarily agree with wholeheartedly but that you're able to have productive conversations with 
Yeah, and, and there really is none of that. That's where like on on either side of like any any spectrum, mm-hmm. people get so polarized and they end up hating each other just because their opinions different. I Man, I I have deleted so many people off of social media just because they're so like they take so much issue with with anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, why are you arguing? Like I used to be bad about that. I used to argue on on like Facebook and shit. Yeah. Until I realized like, dog, this is not worth my time. Like <laughs> I have so much better shit I could be doing. Yeah. And ever since it's it removes an area of conflict from your life that you didn't even realize was there and something on Facebook or Instagram or anything could completely ruin your day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah. And not taking things personally is a big thing. Like realizing that a lot of what people think has very little effect on you personally. Yeah. Yeah. So. What, being able to just say fuck it and like genuinely not care is a, is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, you know, your opinions are your opinions and it's not really your job to change somebody's <laughs> mind. It's more about, you know, if you're true to yourself and true to your beliefs and your opinions, and that's like representing you well, then stick by that. That's it. And you know, you never know what positive effect you can have on people with that attitude. Yeah. It's, it's also, you are very much able to have an opinion and tell nobody and your mm-hmm. opinion is still valid. Yeah. Like if, if, if I, if, if I hate the, the way that boxes look like, okay, cool. That it just frustrates me. That's yeah. it. That is your struggle there. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. But then you all, it's also important to go through and be like, wait, why don't I like that thing? Does it yeah. worth it to not like whatever it is? I don't like, but uh, so your, your band, uh, so when did you start playing music and how many instruments do you play? I started playing drums was my first instrument and I got my first like real big kid drum kit when I was, I think five. Oh, wow. But before that I would sit like on my, uh, I would set up these little, like anything that was box hollow box shaped i would set it up on the floor in like our bonus room and i would listen to like uh rock music like whatever christian rock music was around because again um but uh i would like try to find a drum that sounded like you know a kick drum and a snare drum and i would hit those with like the sticks like they would just be in random order but i would try to mimic that sound um so when I got my first drum set, I would just constantly try to play along to whatever rock music I liked. Um, and then from there, I, I kind of learned, my mom wanted to learn bass when I was like in elementary school because my mom's cool as shit. Um, it was like, I just want to play bass. So at the time that she got the bass, I also learned how to read tabs and learned like Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day on uh. bass. Yeah, you know it was what? easy. That is such a good song, though. Like, it, it, that's a very <laughs> timeless song. So timeless, <laughs> so nostalgic. Uh, it it really is. I learned how to like play songs like that on the bass, like just easy, you know, rock and like mainstream punk, punk rock songs. Uh, and then when I was like in middle school, uh, me and my brother got guitar lessons and I learned how to play power chords, which if you're playing anything other than like jazz or 
country music. All you need to know how to play is power chords. Um, it's a joke. I'm not being serious. It's good to learn <laughs> how to actually play guitar. But um, a lot of it has just been, if somebody in my family wanted to pick up an instrument, I also would try to pick up the instrument because I didn't want to be like, if I was playing in a band or playing, especially at church, I wanted to be able to talk to like the musicians in a way that they understood. I didn't just want to be like a drum minded person. I wanted to understand musically how like the whole band worked. Right. And I always hated like not being able to describe like the chord or the sound that I wanted. So that's kind of why I would pick up these other instruments. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I started when I was a kid, my family's pretty musical. Like, like my grandparents played, um, drums and singing and stuff like that. So, man, I, 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 uh, I take my hat off to any musician, but especially drummers because, I cannot keep the the way that like I, I watch like uh, what is his Chad Smith yeah from like Chili Peppers yeah man the way like uh, the way that he plays or the way that any black metal drummer plays or death mm -hmm. metal drummer like to keep rhythm with all four appendages man I just cannot do it like it's I, I don't know I don't know man like I got my son a little. Um, a little tiny drum kit and it has mm -hmm. like it has a kick that sounds like a tom yeah a a small tom a small snare and a cymbal and uh, even like i sat down at that and i cannot keep rhythm to save my life oh man i remember that i had one of those kits when i was like you know a little toddler there's a picture of me as like a two-year-old or something with one of those i, I had really i had an american idol one when i was a kid nice it came from like toys r us or some shit yeah it's it's usually from i think mine was like called adam percussion or something which is still a brand but it's not good <laughs> yeah I've, i'm actually uh when my birthday rolls around in march i'm gonna pick myself up a bass and give give rhythm another chance uh, if you have any rhythm at all that's all you need for bass um you don't have to be a super technical bassist to be a good one. As long as you feel like rhythm and can play with a drummer well, that's like the most important thing. Well, Peter, Peter Hook proved that. So from Joy Division. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Just play with feeling. <laughs> um, so when did you join your first band? Um, my first band, I don't even remember what we were called, but it was in like fifth grade. Me and my friend would play like, we were trying to play like good Charlotte covers Oh uh, man, because he was like, he was trying to play bass and I was playing drums, uh, but that was like kind of where I started playing with other people. And then in middle school, I had like a really terrible cover band with my friends, like in seventh and eighth grade, called the Warp Tones. And oh, we nice. Playing, like, yeah, we were playing like "What I Like About You" and "99 Red Balloons" and like that is a great song. It is. And Have you played, heard the Goldfinger cover? That's what that's we were playing it where they sing in German. Yeah, yeah, we played that cover and the with this the little my friend who was in seventh grade would sing like in German at the end. That's crazy. Very, very interesting. I guess it was very lucky that we were all at least slightly musically inclined. We'd do Wipeout. It was really bad. Um, I would play way too loud for the venue. And everybody would be like, we couldn't even hear anything but the drums. I was like, that's what you want to hear. That, <laughs> that's the most important part. That's where I am. Yeah. So, and then in high school, I had I had a like a metalcore band, 
Uh, it was like a day to remember ripoff music, basically. That's Solid. still floating around on like Reverb Nation somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to say the name so that you don't go look it up. See, um, you're lucky I was going to go look it up. <laughs> I know. It's pretty bad. Uh, it was like scene kid, me as a scene kid with all my other little high school scene kid friends. And I mean, we've all been to some into some embarrassing music, man. Yeah. And yeah, so that was pretty good. But then after I graduated high school, I, I didn't really play a lot. I played and toured with like a hardcore band um, playing bass called uh, Me and the Trinity. And they kept playing after I went to college and stuff for a while. They're really, really good. Uh, but unfortunately, they're not a band anymore. That does always suck when when you hear about a good band breaking up because then that yeah. means no no more good music will come out. I know it sucks, but uh, they were very very good. Uh, they changed lineups quite a few times, but uh, I always loved seeing them whenever they were whenever I was like in town uh, from college or you know whenever I happened to catch them. It was always a fun time. My current band called Chuzo is we've been a band for about a year now. Haven't played a single show because of the pandemic. You said Chuzo? Yeah. Like C-H-U-Z-O? Yeah, U-Z or Z for my Canadian friends. Um, <laughs> it's the U has like the two dots over it. And oh, it's the umlaut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, you know what it's called. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody ever knows what that thing's called. I really want to learn to speak German. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it just sounds like a tough language to me. It's very aggressive. Yeah, I love that, like, German, Russian, Polish. I love all that Eastern, more Eastern European shit. Um, have you guys, do you, so do you guys have an Instagram? Yeah, we do. And okay. we're on, we have an EP up on, like, Spotify, Bandcamp. I will absolutely check that out, man. Yeah, it's called, the EP is called Land of Anger. Um, that was, like, supposed to be a demo, but then we kind of put more effort into it than just being a demo. So we're like, fuck it, it's an EP. Um, but we'll be releasing a single hopefully in march we should have a single out it's going to be awesome it i'm excited for it man i'll I'll definitely check you guys out super super excited about it um one thing i've noticed that a lot of bands have been doing during the pandemic is like even just streaming their audition or not their auditions but their their rehearsals live that's something we've been looking into is putting together like a not just like a live set but like something a bit more maybe creative yeah uh, which I know a lot of bands have also done, but um, like one of my favorites was uh, Code Orange did "Back Inside the Glass." Code Orange, isn't that an older like shoegaze band? No, Code Orange is um, they're pretty big. Like they were a hardcore band, and now I'd say they're more close to like new metal. Oh man, um, I, you know what? I'm thinking of Agent Orange. Yes, I Agent Orange is different, but they were like an old pop, uh, like punk rock band. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, my favorite band that kind of does the I watch a lot of their lives is a uh, Molchat Doma. It's a have you never heard of them? Oh I yes, so. I stumped a musician, man. This is like monumental. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're a Belarusian uh, new wave band. That's um, cool, dude. They are amazing. I'm actually going to see them in um, uh, April in Nashville, and. Uh, yeah, for some reason they're doing an American tour and they're coming to Nashville, and uh, they they had a song that was it became really popular on TikTok, and I heard it through something mm-hmm. like on on, uh, on one of the videos on Facebook, and it's called Sudno, and um, 
I just got into them from that. I was like, I really like this. I need to like listen to more. And now I've listened to all, they have three albums. They made a song with Black Sabbath or uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, that's cool. Or did they, or was it a black, I think it was a Black Sabbath cover. Never mind. But uh, that's cool that they're from Belarus because you don't really see, aside from like hearing about the political distress that's happening. You can hear, so a lot of those East, because then I started listening to a lot of like Eastern European <laughs> stuff. It's, you can hear the depressed like USSR overtone in like all of their music. It's, I even like, I'm part of a group on Facebook. I, I can't remember. It was, it's Secret Society of Goths. Because mm. uh, I listen to a lot of goth music. Um, and what is goth except for a music genre? Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a way of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mess because they, they all their all of Molchat Doma's stuff is in Belarusian. So I posted in the group. I said, "Hey, does anybody know any bands that kind of sound like Molchat but uh, are in English?" And everyone was like, "Yeah, man, no, we like sorry, like they're they have a very unique. It's almost like Joy Division." And this other band called Ploho, um, mixed together. Mm -hmm. It's very Ian Ian Curtis and whoever the guys from Ploho are. I don't I don't know who they are. <laughs> uh, but like the even the bass, I don't know. They're just such a good band. Check them um, out. I really love dark wave and like gothic. Um, have you heard of the band uh, Soft Kill? I have not. They're really sick. Um, but they tour with like hardcore bands. Like they were supposed to come here. I saw Vane and Higher Power in Montreal and Soft Kill was supposed to open up, but I don't think they could cross the border because the guy had like been to prison at one point, the the singer. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm interested in that. So C Canada has pretty strict immigration laws, don't they? No, uh, they do, but it's more for visitors. Like it's hard if you have any kind of record to even to come, come visit. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, wow. if you have like a felony charge, you can't really come in easily. You have to have a letter from the Canadian border to like basically like pardon you. Or wow. you have to wait like five years or something until the statute of limitations. Wow, that's insane. Not to say that I have, I don't have a record. Like I don't have, a, I only have like talk to people. <laughs> oh, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. But you don't like seem like a guy with a record. No, uh, no. Um, my wife and I, we've been living here for four years with like a, a work visa, which is easy to get if you're sponsored basically uh, by a company, which luckily enough we are, um, but we're applying to be like permanent residents currently. That was another question I was going to ask you. So you guys are planning on like becoming like Canadian citizens? Maybe not citizens, but you know, having a Canadian passport is extremely helpful in these times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, being here for the time that we have been here and then we've visited, you know, the States a few times, especially during the pandemic and just kind of judging the client, the climate and uh, like kind of how we felt here compared to like when we go and visit and how we kind of feel vibe is very important to us, not to sound like a hype beast, but like, you know, <laughs> you got a vibe check. I, I, I understand what you're saying because it's especially like, um, if you're very good at like reading people's like energy is so overused, but energy. Yeah. No, I then, feel. Yeah. Like 
it's easy to feel uncomfortable somewhere that has very high tension energy. And that's felt like uh, we had to go to Houston in, in September, like October. And there was a lot of stuff that we had missed, like food wise and culture and like, but there was just a lot of things that felt different being back that just didn't quite sit well, like vibe wise, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that's kind of when we made that we, when we got back, we kind of talked about it and we were like, I think Canada, like Montreal, especially might be our place for, you know, the foreseeable future that might change one day, but just like the friends that we've made and relationships here and the way like the city feels is, you know, it just feels right. I, I understand that. I, so like I've lived here my whole life and I'm just recently starting to travel more places due to like competing in strongman. Mm -hmm. And, um, my coach actually lives up in, uh, the guy that I talked to, I said it Versailles because that's how it's spelled. He says it's Versailles in Kentucky. Um, that's weird. I wouldn't pronounce it that way. <laughs> that's it's it's spelled like Versailles. Like where is Versailles? Like, it's in France. France. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the Palace of Versailles. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, "Oh man, I can tell you're not from Kentucky." And I was like, y "You'd be right." And uh, but I never thought that I would want to live in Kentucky. But we, me and my wife, went up to like the Frankfurt, Versailles, Lexington area, mm -hmm. and uh, man, like it's hard to explain the feel of a, of a place. But being in Lexington is the shit. That's like, cool. Like if I could, if I could move just about anywhere, I would one hundred percent move to. Well, cost of living in Lexington is fucking ridiculous. But like, <laughs> we were driving by houses that were like not a whole lot bigger than ours, and we we're like, well, how much do you think that house costs? And where I was like, oh, probably like four hundred thousand. Like this is a college town. That shit was a million dollars, and I was like. You got me fucked up, man. Like no, I can't. Not it. No, that's and I had my buddy Austin on. He's actually the one who um, I had a I had a tattoo artist draw my logo, but then my buddy Austin actually made it into like a vector and everything like mm -hmm. that. Um, I don't know even know if that's how you like would use that terminology. I think that's right. I, I'm not the one either. <laughs> okay. I don't even know. Um, but he's a he's getting his master's in business. Um, mm -hmm. and analytics and he said that one of his friends he's got a lot of business friends and one of them's moving up to Seattle with a budget of like a million two million dollars something like that and I was like what does that get you in Seattle and he was like about this size and I was like that is fucking despicable he was like is it but I guess to him that makes sense as far as cost of living and everything goes but like whew. yeah like, it's really weird because looking at places, we had been looking at places in Texas like Austin and Houston because my, my wife's family, my wife grew up in Houston. Um, so her mom still lives down there and stuff. Um, but we were looking at houses and it's like, you know, 300, 400 for like a nice, decent sized home in the city area. Like here, you're lucky if you find it for a million and a half. Jesus, for like for like a house house? Yeah, for like uh even like a townhome kind of house, like a row house kind of deal. Whew. The housing market in Canada is, in general is very inflated, but it looks like it's the same in the like my mom just sold her house in Orlando last year and got like every bid she got was over asking price. 
because apparently there's uh, like a shortage of housing too. I don't know. Yeah, so it's sort of like that here. The house we're like the second fastest growing, the first or second fastest growing city in the country, mm-hmm. and we're getting a, like a new stadium. A whole bunch of industry is coming here. We have a Google uh, a Google network building here. Wow. Yeah, a, a whole bunch of stuff, and that's like, way more stuff than when I was there. When I was there, y'all had like not a lot. <laughs> well, you were over by Post too, Oak Grove. That's oh, Kentucky. Oh, is that like way over there? Oh man, that's the oh. outskirts. That's man, that's I, oh no, for sure. I mean, this is a boring ass place so far. Um, <laughs> they're slowly getting more stuff to do. Um, change, but uh, like we have like Han Cook tires and all that shit. Mm-hmm. They but the housing market here, like, just for example, like I think I bought my house for like one hundred and forty five, and that was four years ago almost. The house across the street from mine is selling for $300,000. Yep. And it's like, it's got one more bedroom than my house. And I'm like, Jesus, dude. Like, it would be a perfect time to sell to make profit, but it's like to go through the hassle of finding a house when all of them are going so quickly, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's... That's like the, that's the, uh, if you have to move, basically it's the, it's a good time to sell and just like try to find something. But yeah, like, if, if you have to move, but like, if not. you have to sell, sell now, but yeah, that's, my mom had to move. So she was like getting rid of the house and they did it. They did some work to it. They, they pimped it out to, as they say here, <laughs> I don't Do know they, why they, they say that they, in Canada still, they, they still say that here. Not, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like a specifically Quebec thing. I don't know why they use that word. That's still. funny, man. I was like, Exhibit hasn't been on TV in like 10 years. You can't say <laughs> something's pimped out anymore. Did you see the scandal that came out with that? Like after that show ended, how like after the people left with their like with their cars, they took out most of the shit that they put in the cars. I did not know that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where like you learn the lies of reality TV. You know, and it's not reality <laughs> at, at all, man. It's like I could have kind of guessed it. You know, um, I was like regretfully uh, into Jersey Shore for like a year when I was in eighth grade, eighth eighth or ninth grade. And uh, I found out that the fights on there were fake. And I was like, no way. It's real to me. (laughs) Yeah, right. But then it was always weird to me. There was no TV in the house. None of them were ever on their phones. So I was like, there's no way. That's real life. We all make mistakes. <laughs> we do. We do all make mistakes. Yeah, I, I did. I did used to call chicks grenades. Um, in my fourteen-year-old. Oh man. Oh, I was such a douchebag, man. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 you know, we all do things that we're not. We hope that don't get dug up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that got. I just dug that up for myself. That's so. <laughs> some skeletons in the closet. Um. Yeah. For sure. Uh, that was a bad time for for America. It was a terrible time for America, but whatever. I, I honestly can't think of any good thing that came out of America in 2010, like creativity wise. There were some good like metalcore scene bands. I think at that, that was a good time for like emo. It, yeah, um, yeah. Writing on your Converse. Yeah, I, I was one of those. Um, <laughs> my metalcore band was doing really well. Um, <laughs> you know where they would like scream and sing yeah um, trying to think of what else that was pretty much it for like weird scene 
metal and hardcore subcultures. It was great. That's well, the hip, the hipster movement started there too, like really, really big. Like That's listening true. to records again, taking your pictures on Polaroids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the Urban Outfitters craze was really jumping off. Oh my god, I had a jacket from there too, man. Why did you bring that up? I love <laughs> Urban Outfitters. Some of my favorite pants are from there. Oh man, see, I only go with Levi's myself. Yeah, but the BDG stuff sometimes it's real nice. I don't even know what that is. It's their this their denim brand. It's good. oh okay okay <laughs> yeah it's good because sometimes I don't I actually my two favorite pairs of jeans I have one from there and one are Levi's they're like uh, this new fit that they came out with but I love them with all my like my whole heart yeah I feel that um, take such good care of them <laughs> <laughs> like they're my children I I can't say the, <laughs> I can't say the same. I, <laughs> I, I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of one of those people where like I would definitely wear pants two days in a row, 100. percent And like I'm like, well, they're not dirty. I'm not going to wash them. That's true. You don't wash them. Oh, I, I I mean I have heard that, but like I don't purposely do that. Okay. It's just sort of like, well, they get smaller when I wash them, so I'm gonna like I don't feel like like breaking them in again. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm definitely there with you. I wash like my pants as little as possible. Yeah, I my my work pants though. I mean, shit. I come. Oh yeah, no, that's another thing. I have another like. There's another section of my clothing that's like work clothes, <laughs> and that's just like, I get as much life out of that as will possibly give me, and then it's straight to the bin. One hundred percent. Um, all right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here. It was really great talking to you, man. I I, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I I really appreciate you reaching out and. Uh, this is really cool. It's I, I like when people pair coffee and anything else that they're interested in because coffee, I feel like, is just a community um, builder, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of why I called it night coffee because the idea was doing most of the episodes after my kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then you start to get a little bit tired and like having that late night cup of coffee, you start to like open up more about about everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, it's like I, a nice relaxing moment. Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, honestly, nothing re- really, nothing does hit like a good cup of coffee. It's true. So, but all right, man. Uh, again, thank you, and I will check out your band Ch- Chuzo, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's Chuzo, all caps with the umlauts. All right, man. Uh, well, I will talk to you later. Yep. Take care. Hey, you too.